Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Depari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and of course, as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. Be sure to check out Expand the Box Score, use the promo code 40, get four days of free access to the site. So this week, a little different. We're recording early. It is uh, bright and early on Monday morning, so we're not going to have any information regarding Monday Night Football between the Chargers and Broncos. So if we omit something from that game, that is why. But aside from being a little bit off schedule for us, Walk, how are you and where do you want to start the episode? Well, listen, we'll, we'll start right where we ended the not episode. And the name I couldn't remember was David Andrews. I know it was like such a straightforward name in this Tom Brady, uh, Robert Kraft wedding picture. And the other individual who I couldn't make out, the other two were Troy Brown and Gerard Mayo, which I know both of those gentlemen. Gerard Mayo is right above Kraft, and I probably should have been able to pick him out. But Troy Brown was uh, was escaping me um, in this one. But it was a, a literal who's who at the Robert Kraft surprise wedding, including Elton John and Meek Mill and apparently Brady on a Friday pre-game night. Pre-game Tom Brady. Pre-game Tom Brady right next to Drew Bledsoe in the – in the picture too, which I would love to have heard that conversation <laughs> at this point in time. But yeah, nonetheless, uh, we, we both said that why was Robert Kraft getting married during football season? At least he did it on a Friday night, which I am very anti-Friday night weddings in my personal life. I think it's cheap and there's no way this one was cheap, but the only way you're picking Friday is to save money. That's literally the sole reason why you're picking a Friday wedding is to be cheap. So you already let me know where, where things are going to land. At the end of the day. And anyone I who knows even, me that's already been married on a Friday, that's this is how I feel. <laughs> Just been, been, I didn't even know it was a thing. Shooting you on a club, right? Friday weddings? I didn't, I didn't know like that was different cost or anything. I thought people, just to give you a, a, a glimpse into my OCD, I thought people just picked based on the date. <laughs> Listen, if you did, kudos to you. But happens to be a Tuesday. You get married you on Tuesday. For, if you picked for another reason... Well, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off this soapbox real quick before I <laughs> alienate far too many of my friends and family. But I just uh, I'm set. It's Saturday's the weekend. Friday's not. Friday people have work. Like you're, you're just further impacting things. Like Saturday, that's wedding day. Saturday's wedding day. That's interesting. It's it's. A, it's See, I associate day. weddings with churches, so I'm thinking Sunday. But I get what you're saying. Everyone's drunk. They're not going no, go to go to work. No, there's actually on, church on Sundays. So on you can't Monday. get married in churches on Sundays because there's Fascinating. churches on Sundays. So Saturday. Hmm. Yeah, Saturday. That's Saturday. Okay. Robert Kraft. Now, if he did it Saturday, it'd be even more of a story though, right? Because Brady would be like, <laughs> the night before that I have to take a, an overnight flight to Pittsburgh so I can lose to the Steelers on Sunday. I mean, who saw that coming? But, you know, it's the days of Tom Brady's live. Uh, at this point in time, he's just, we, we said, you know, he's, he's now bigger and McCracken from Kingpin. He's just above the law. Like Tom can just do whatever he wants. He takes like two weeks off during training camp. He doesn't fly with the team because he stays behind for a wedding so that he can fly apparently his private jet up to Pittsburgh uh, to, to take a big L by Steelers nation and in, in unexpected Mitch Trubisky led fashion. I mean, you can't make this shit up. It's, it's taken on a whole nother level right now, and the wheels are totally falling off in Tampa Bay. I mean, it's it's crazy. Kind of regret coming back. 
Yeah. I mean, at this point in time, you know, he's just, I don't know. It's not about the money, right? I mean, it's. No, he's got a massive what Fox contract waiting for yeah, him. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna make more. He's gonna make more money after he retires. Yeah, off the NFL than than during it, but not that he's hurting for money. But before we get into injuries and everything else, I was I was scouring the the Twitter sphere before we went live, and Giles Gallant put a tweet out, and I hope I didn't butcher the guy's name, but through six weeks, touchdown scored in the NFL. Okay, in twenty twenty, there was five hundred and fifty nine touchdowns scored through six weeks. In 2021, there was 531 touchdowns scored through six weeks. So a little 28 touchdown fall off year over year. Monday night football pending, there has been 447 touchdowns scored so far this year. That is 87 less than last year. And we're at 100. Let me do a quick math here. 112 over, over the 2020 NFL season. So remember we were talking about unders? I mean, I didn't know it was that bad, but we know that Denver's not going to score a lot of touchdowns tonight. But let's say that, yeah, three touchdowns are scored tonight. Yeah, it's for average. So 450 touchdowns through six weeks will wow. be 109 touchdowns less than the 2020 NFL season. It's because no one plays in the preseason, John. And yeah. so this first fucking month of the year has been the preseason. These games are terrible mm-hmm. by and large. Agreed. And it's, it's led to the underfest. Hey. Denver and the Chargers light it up. We could get 45 touchdowns out of each. <laughs> a 90-touchdown game. We're right on pace. We're well on our way, but you forget that <laughs> that, that would that would revolve around Russell Wilson doing anything. I, I, so. I didn't know you were going to uh, – you sent that stat over this morning, and last night when I was just skimming through stuff, I believe only two games went over this weekend um, – comfortably i know the the eagles cowboys game went over but by a half point so i don't know what that line opened at early in the week but technically it was 42 and a half and i think the game was 43 so three if you count that one but i bet it opened at 43 or 44 if i had to guess yeah i mean they uh, that that got there but you're right one two, two three four five six seven eight unders so far and we still have oh, – let's, let's take the, the Thursday night football under, right? Nine yeah. unders so far um, with what? We had four teams on by, so we're getting 14 games this week. So we're already past 50% unders this week. And the game tonight, pretty low total, 45 and a half for those two teams. So Wow. If, if Denver scores who 11, knows? Maybe, maybe 11 like usual. <laughs> Maybe it's way too high, uh, all things being considered. But, yeah, I mean, unders continue to to rock by and large, and it's it's shown up in all these touchdown, anytime touchdown scoring bets I've been putting in every week that haven't come anywhere close to hitting because no one's scoring touchdowns. I mean, and it's, yeah. so it's making the fantasy teams who get those precious touchdowns destroy other teams. I mean, if you started Mike Gusecki for no good reason, right, and he scores two touchdowns, and you got that tight end one on the week out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, kudos to you. Well, he 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 wallops Travis Kelsey, who still had a hundred yards receiving, right? Yeah, it points. It's it's insane, but it's the world we live in. Congrats to Robert Kraft. He got married in Manhattan, by the way, so it wasn't even down in Florida. So Brady just, I guess, had to fly from New York to Pittsburgh. Uh, I guess quick little jaunt on his private jet to, to get there uh, in in time for what the hotel on Saturday, I, I guess. But hotel Saturday night, so they could lose to Pittsburgh on Sunday. But 
Let's get into transition to these. I'm not getting married at 81. That's what I know. You're not getting married to anyone? Oh, at 81. At 81. No. Yeah. I mean, to each their own, right? I don't think that's high on many people's lists at 81. But Robert Kraft lives a slightly different existence than typical 81-year-olds. No no more massage parlors. He's a terrible, (laughs) terrible decision. (laughs) Yeah. Good for him. I mean, he married a nurse or a doctor, so maybe it's just so she could take care of him. Yeah, he's geriatric. Yeah, he's just he's just looking out for his own best interest. But moving from geriatrics to uh, injured athletes is about the smoothest transition we're going to get today. So there was only a few this week. Marquise Brown left late in the game with a foot injury. Was in a walking boot after the game. We already discussed boots on last week's episode, so we don't have to get back into that narrative, but they aren't good. I would not expect him to play, especially because they play on Thursday night football this week. So sounds like a high ankle there. The, the rumor I heard late last night was potentially four to six weeks, but that opens the door for the six week suspension to wrap on Deandre Hopkins, who should, we should proceed to see aimlessly come right 50% in. of targets from Kyler yeah. Barry immediately on Thursday night football. Um, and, and Rondell Moore, but we'll deal with Rondell Moore later. Um, also, Skyler Thompson, your boy got hurt early in the Dolphins game. Teddy Bridgewater proceeded to come in and just light it up and make Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle totally relevant again. But it's already been uh, announced that Tua is slated to be back next week um, against the Steelers. So they might, you know, Tua might want to reach out to Tom Brady and see how that felt. This past week before he he agrees to do so because Cam Hayward was a wrecking machine in that game. But beyond that, there was, you know, there was the unfortunate Cam Brate injury, which is going to open up more opportunity for Kate Otten, who was already kind of emerging at that point in time for a transitioning offense. Randall Cobb, another high ankle sprain. So, you know, what's Aaron, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do now? That he doesn't have Randall Randall Cobb to throw to. And, about the gist of it, no no running backs. Oh, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett out with a concussion. You know, in the Steelers game, Mitchell Trisky came in and, yeah, made the most of his re-opportunity. I'm, I'm going to guess he, he misses a game just because of the way they're handling the quarterback concussion. So, and, and Trubisky looked good, so they have no reason not to give him another go at it. So you're going to get Tua coming back from concussions against Mitch Trubisky, who gets to start again because of a concussion. Yeah, next week in that matchup. So interesting. Uh, nonetheless, how, how all that shakes out. And that's, I, I am saying that correct, right? Where am I looking? Yep. It, oh, and that's Sunday night football as well, which is why it stuck out to me. Steelers visit the Dolphins, who Dolphins are a seven-point favorite right now on Sunday night football. So in Miami, seems right. Yeah, there's there's that. Um, beyond that, nothing else fantasy football related, right? As I'm scrolling, scrolling, nope. scrolling. That was about the gist of it. Yes, yeah, a large oh, Dobbins, Dobbins was out because of uh, uh, his knee tightened up. Yeah, which I've already heard is no bueno. Like I said, like a lot of times, like your hamstring is kind of something that gets injured when you get knee surgery. And that's what happened to Godwin in week one. Mm-hmm. Because I guess everything being reset, it just tightens those adjacent muscles. But the knee swelling... They said it might mean that there's something not right in there and they might have to go back in. I mean, the the good thing they did is I think as soon as he said, hey, this is bugging me, they yanked him immediately. So, I mean, 
they seem to be proactively handling it, but then yeah, one, one that's good for him, but two, it's bad for fantasy because they obviously like him long-term, so there's a good chance they play it safe and he sits for a week or two. Yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is, right? I mean, finally got him back. He had a big first week when he finally was given the opportunity. And a week ago, he was limited. Um, didn't see a lot of second half touches, which makes curious to see if something was then. And then, obvious, very limited this past week, and it allowed Kenyon Drake to explode. The Ravens are tied for first at three and three. Yeah, uh, which which shocks me. I mean, I know that. You know, Bengals have under you know underperformed, but I did not expect to see the Ravens in first place when I looked because I've watched a few games where I'm like, how'd they lose this game? How'd they lose this game? How'd they lose this game? Like to the Giants yesterday, but still right in the hunt. So maybe uh maybe we'll, well see a little Gus bus action. Yeah, I was gonna shortly. say similar to the Arizona situation, <laughs> they lose him and it's right around the time they're expecting to get Edwards back, so it might not be too bad for him. No. All right. So, you know, that that's your injury recap at this point in time. Let's get into some of these games, Jonathan. And before we do, again, we, we mentioned the, the bye teams from the week prior. So let's mention who all who has the bye in, in this upcoming week. And in week seven is going to be, and it's more star-studded than, than the week prior, it's yeah. Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles, Los Angeles Rams, and Minnesota Vikings. So you have potentially – Four starting quarterbacks. You definitely have four starting quarterbacks in a super flex league. You have multiple fantasy relevant running backs and receivers, and you got some tight ends. Honestly, I mean, got a lot of people started Goddard, even though he had a, a down game. Uh, Higby has been a must start at this point in time. Um, Dawson Knox caught the game winning touchdown uh, this past week and seems to be back in the, the swing of things. And there's still Irv Smith, uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> for those Vikings. So a lot of fantasy points. Are going to be benched next week due to buys. So yeah, the scoring was down last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You thought, yeah, you thought the you're scoring losing, was down. You're losing the Diggs, was, Cup, yeah. AJ Brown, and Je- Jefferson. Yeah, you thought the the scoring was down when the Lions, Raiders, Texas, and Titans were on by. That's, yeah, that was this past week. Uh, you know, buckle up. It's going <laughs> to be a doozy this next week. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's that's the buys. But let's let's jump into some of these uh, divisional breakdowns. Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll package two together because I, I get a little bit of a unintentional break. I'll, I'll get the West out of the way. AFC West, as we said, recorded Monday morning. Chargers, Denver play tonight, so I've got nothing on either one of them. And the Raiders were on the bye, and then mm-hmm. the Chiefs are easy. No real interesting things here as far as uh, snaps. Valdez Scantling uh, was out second second per, second most on the team, eighty two percent of snaps but did nothing with it a week after it finally looked like he kind of clicked with Mahomes and was emerging a little bit, three targets, no receptions, even though he was on the field second most behind uh, Juju. So the West, nothing really to pass on. Just going back to the order we normally go back to the North uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Edmonds is just a ghost. He is, but you kind of have to hold him because Mostert has never been healthy. So Keep Edmonds on your bench. He's a, he's a handcuff you already have instead of wasting waiver money on a guy. At least you know he'll, he'll get a shot again eventually. But, yeah, it's all, all Mostert at this point. Uh, Buffalo, Isaiah McKenzie's, which is what we thought going into the season. When he's healthy, he's emerged as that team's number three. So keep an eye on him. And in the backfield, similar to kind of what we are seeing in Miami, it's kind of the, the full 
Devin uh, Singletary show at running back. Zach Moss didn't even get a snap this game. I don't know if he was a healthy scratch or not, but he did not play. Uh, moving on to the Jets. Kind of an interesting with the Jets where Wilson got hurt early and they had to go to Flacco. When Wilson's come back, we've seen kind of a change in the pecking order so far. It looks like Tyler Conklin is falling out of favor and Uzoma's getting a little more. His snaps have gone up. His targets have gone up. And, and at wide receiver, it's very similar too. Elijah Moore is kind of fading away and Corey Davis is emerging. I think he's led the team in receiving two weeks in a row now, which coincide with when Wilson came back and you you mentioned it three weeks ago that he loves that guy. So it's not, not a big shocker there, but it's something to keep an eye on, especially, you know, as we said, when we started the year week three, you kind of get an idea of which way these trends are going. And now next week will be Wilson's third week starting. So we'll kind of have a clearer picture if this was just a two week fluke, or this is going to be what it's going to be to close out the season. And then the most interesting team to me in the East right now the New England Patriots. So they get Tyquan Thornton back last week. This week he gets up to 57% snap share, three targets, um, scores two touchdowns. He had three carries also. I'm sorry, he had three receptions on five targets. And they used him out of the backfield a little bit. Ramondre Stevenson is the only show in town, 19 carries. They liked Thornton a lot. You heard some rumbling in the preseason. They finally get him back and he's healthy. They're banged up a little bit here and there. I think Kendrick Bourne got hurt, so that kind of opens the door right away for Thornton to to pick up some snaps. I don't know how significant Bourne's injury was, but they want to get him involved, and and they did, and he got a couple of touchdowns out of it. So we get to waiver, see somebody to keep an eye on. But that wraps up the West and the North. And the East? The East too. Jesus, East. Where <laughs> You know, I'm trying to follow you around this this the globe here, John. <laughs> and you want to know how stupid I am? I looked at Miami, and that's the first thing I thought was north. So I'm 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 super dumb. We're just gonna <laughs> leave that where it is. How about Bailey Zappi threw for 309 yards and two touchdowns against this Browns defense and looked good doing it. And then Thornton was deployed in multiple ways. Yeah, two rookies came in and. Cracked the shit out of the Browns, thirty-eight to fifteen. I mean, that's not even Ramondre Stevenson. These are two rookies that didn't weren't even playing, weren't even starters two weeks ago. Just yeah. looking the part. I mean, it's any given Sunday. I mean, the Patriots are contributing to the touchdown push apparently this past week. Yeah, they're thirty-eight points scored, but the Browns, they are not. I mean, Nick Chubb got no. limited unfortunately because of his because of the game script that sucks. But um, you mentioned I just wanted to talk about the Packers uh, jets because you were, you were talking about the limitation jets. Zach wasn't through it 18 times in this game yeah. that they want to handle it. That is fucking insane. And I mean, 10 of 18 passing and just just destroyed. I mean, they ran it down the throats of the Packers and just beat them up in, in that the game. Packers offense is terrible ah, right now. We'll get to that soon enough because <laughs> Have a mea culpa on, on that one. But, yeah, so I'll start East um, myself since I think that's where you landed, and it was where I spent the majority of my football-watching day yesterday. I obviously, uh, as an Eagles fan, was watching Sunday Night Football. So I, I, I tapped out of the early games and, and did the good dad thing and did the pumpkin patches and hay rides and all that. So <laughs> I don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge of early football, but I watched every snap of this Eagles-Cowboys game and a game that looked like it was going to be an absolute runaway yeah, early on, the Eagles did their their best to make it competitive, and it's just something about the first and third quarters for the Eagles are just 
they're they're tough. I mean, we just don't get started well either time. Started a game or started a second half. We're great in the second quarter. It's where we shied, and then we we kind of do enough in the fourth. It's almost rinse and repeat every do, week. Do you but, think that that falls on coaching? Yes. Like the first and third seem to be where if you're a better coach team, you can yeah. come out with a decent plan and really. I mean, the irony on another team, a hundred percent. The scheme early was so good. It was putting Michael Parson at conflict, like every single play with the play action and the read options and stuff. They were like at him challenging him. Are you going to come at the quarterback? And they were sneaking AJ Brown out right across his face, like making him hesitate. It was, it was masterful what they were doing early on. And then pressure started coming and everything seemed to kind of break down. We lost Lane Johnson, which hurt a ton on the right side. Cause then they just parked Micah Parsons over on the, the backup right tackle. and just said, have at him. And he did by and large for the rest <laughs> of the game. So that changes things a lot, unfortunately, but back on track here for the Eagles, Miles Sanders saw 19 touches to the 11 combined from game on Scott. Miles Sanders looking amazing in this yeah. offense, but still one target, I think for like one yard, it's, it's running downs work. So if you don't score a touchdown, it's just dead fantasy points. Luckily he got in. So he produced for you. He just looks so good touch in and touch out, but he's not going to catch the ball. He's not typically going to be a 20 carry guy any given week. Cause they do want to spread it around with these other two guys, but still looking great doing it <clears throat> hurts lowest fantasy output of the year. Also coincided with his second highest passing touchdowns as well. Yeah. Do you know that Jalen hurts has three different games this year with zero passing touchdowns? Yes. 50% of his games. He has not thrown a passing touchdown insane because he's just gets so many rushing touchdowns. And when he does, Miles Sanders doesn't get rushing touchdowns. So it's just, there's just strangely no consistency in this offense, even though they get the job done. I mean, if, if Hertz gets it on the ground, has a big fancy day, then the receivers aren't getting there. Then Miles Sanders isn't getting there because he's only had two multi-touchdown passing weeks through six weeks right now. I mean, so it's, it's not all coming together. It's an either or offense at this point in time. And it's good enough. I grabbed him a bunch in uh, redraft this year, and that's what I've noticed. He has the big game, and I look, and <laughs> no no passing touchdowns. I'm like, well, that's weird. Yeah, no one else got there. I mean, it's the multi-touchdown rushing games, the 100 yeah. yards, stuff like that. But, you know, win's a win. Six, you know, six and oh, on to the bye week you know, at a perfect time. Can't take the O away from us this week, buddy, because we're not playing football. So from them to the Cowboys – there was rumblings that Dak might play. I never thought he was going to play, and, and he didn't. So we got one more Cooper Rush, you know, finally. We we done with the Cooper Rush. He's never lost an NFL game in his career. He was 5-0 and coming into Philly, and he just looked every bit the backup in, in this game. I mean, three interceptions, you know, multiple passes, just totally off target. I mean, the game shouldn't have been as close as it was. They actually got the running game started on us which is how they got back into the game, which shocked me. But Zeke jumped in the hot tub time machine like he seems to do against the Eagles all the time, 13 for 81 and a touchdown. But Pollard still had 11 carries, so they're still splitting the baby there. It's just that Zeke actually was looked decisive, downhill and decisive, got in the end zone, and you know gave you a, a reasonable start, but still only, I think, had one catch on the day. Pollard only had two catches, but Pollard was having drives to himself which is notable as well. So better days are ahead probably when Dak comes back <clears throat> for uh, for us Tony Pollard enthusiasts. CeeDee Lamb had 10 targets, 
on the game. So you can't complain about the targets that, that he was getting. And he was a Brandon Graham hit away from probably what would have been a long touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Brandon Graham got to Cooper Rush as he was about to uncork one and look like Lamb was going to be make a house call, but it ended up being underthrown. And your boy, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, got his second interception on the week. So I got to think Dak's going to be back next week. Perfect timing after Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush finally gets his first loss as an NFL starter. Insert Dak back in there. Let's see where this offense goes. Down to the Giants, also 5-1. and one. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand the NFL anymore. They shouldn't be 5-1. and one. They're finding Giants ways to and win. And Jets, what's going on? It's what a world, right? But Saquon Barkley handled 22 of the 25 running back carries, found the end zone, 22 for 83 and one rushing. But he did leave the game again with an injury, came back as he did the week prior, but they are working him to the bone yeah. right now. And it's going to bite him in the ass. It's just, it's going to. Um, but. Wandell Robinson, who the last two weeks I said, go get Wandell Robinson on the waiver wire, steps right <laughs> into the top running back spot, and he gets you a nice three for 37 and a touchdown on four targets. They they drafted him. This is Dave Bowles' guy. They're going to use him. Better days are ahead even for Wandell Robinson than Daniel Bellinger, who both of us were high on. Also led the charge with and a he's nice coming along. He's looking. I mean, he's got no choice, but <laughs> he's also only, correct. He has no choice. Yeah. But it is what it is. And you know, we the commanders game long since happened, but the you know, we'll button up the east with them. And it was ugly as expected in that backfield. 26% of snaps to Gibson, 30% of snaps to McKissick, 47% of snaps to Brian Robinson, who Luckily, got into the end zone, as I think every better in America thought he would when he was finally just given the starter snaps, but didn't happen till late. Still just an ugly mess in the backfield. I have some suggestions later on when, when we're going to talk uh, about how to rectify this that I hope you know the, the Washington commanders and, and other GMs around the league are listening to. But lastly, Dimey Brown played 5% of snaps after his huge blow-up game two weeks ago. He's played 5% of snaps while Cam Smith found his way into 72% of snaps in, in that game. So hopefully you didn't go chasing Diamond Brown two weeks ago. And I have to think after the long week that we might get Jahan Dotson back. But the answer is never Diami Brown. And do you want me to? You did West too, right? Yes. I'll just keep rocking. All right. NFC West, right? We'll say uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, for those of you that didn't know, Cam Akers played 0% of snaps. This week, so breaking news. I, I, I was able to scour multiple sites to find the snap counts here, and I can verify Cam Akers played zero percent of snaps this week. But Daryl Henderson still only like, cobbled his way into a 12 for 43 and a touchdown with two and two for nine receiving. Like, okay, got you the touchdown, got you double digit, you know, PPR points, but yeah, I mean, still without Akers there to muddy it up, he still doesn't have a big game in positive script against the Carolina Panthers. And that's because Sean McVay was given every single player on the Rams carries this week. Cooper Cup had a carry. Ben Skorana carries. Uh, Powell And carries, a touchdown. Atwell carries. And Ronnie Rivers all had carries in the game on top of like Philip or Philip Rivers. Matthew Stafford probably taking knees at the end. All those guys had carries in the game. So we're talking like a dozen guys <laughs> by the time it was all said and done receiving running back work 
It was anyone but Akers. Apparently, that's what Sean McVay had decided. Cooper Cup finally had a letdown game. Still scored 15 PPR points. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, that's a it's a bad Cooper Cup game at this point in time. Allen Robinson popped his head out like a groundhog for a five for 63 and one. Last time he scored a touchdown and had 60-ish yards, his next game he was two for 23. So if you started him, congratulations. If you didn't, many, keep him on your bench next week. That's I know the buys were here. What percentage of people do you think finally actually started him? I, I say started, zero. I started him in one league that we're in, and it's literally because I had Michael Thomas out. I had Rashad Bateman out and I had uh, someone else out. Like it literally took like three wide receivers being out for me to have to start him on the week. So some of us got there and it wasn't because of bye weeks. It was because guys I would have all started above him yeah. were out for the week, but it happened. Moving on to the 49ers. Oof, let's get the NFL. I mean, what's, I just don't know what's going on here. I mean, the, 49ers just laid a complete egg, I guess. Traveling East Coast, one o'clock game, John. Maybe that that narrative is that is that a 49ers narrative too? Yeah, but count. Jeff Wilson finally dudded, played 52% of the snaps. George Kittle, 98% of snaps, best fantasy output of the season. Eight for 83, still hasn't scored. Ayuk, 92% of snaps, he got all the touchdowns. Yep. Eight for 83. Was, was he? No, they both weren't eight for 83. I definitely transposed those two things. What do we got here? They both were eight for 83. I thought I was wrong on that. Both were eight for 83. Ayuk hmm. scored both touchdowns uh, on the game. I did sit Ayuk in a league, full disclosure. And I would do it again because I just assumed run based <laughs> game script. I didn't, didn't see this happening. Um, hopefully, I, 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 get I away swapped with him out for Debo in a uh, DFS lineup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, a Debo seven for 79, not a terrible day, but definitely not a Debo day. But just yuck for the Niners. Down to the Seahawks, Kenny Walker, 69% of snaps. DJ Dallas had 34% of snaps, and I don't know that he recorded a stat in the game. I mean, I, I thought he would get some work in a very ugly game that I think disappointed all around. DJ Dallas had two carries to Kenny Walker's 21 on the day, but he is the, the next guy up at present unless and until Travis Homer returns, but it doesn't matter. Clearly now Kenny Walker just fell into the bell cow role because yep. they're out of options. In Seattle, Metcalf and Lockett played a, played 81% of snaps each and laid absolute fantasy eggs on the day. I mean, Lockett had two for 17, while Metcalf found his way to two for 34. And Gino, the first week I pick him up in my redraft and start him because I'm done with Russell Wilson, 197 scoreless yards. Did give you 48 on the ground, but in a game where I thought they were just going to paste the Falcons, 19-9, to fest. Don't know what to do, but it was George Fant, or it was Noah Fant week. At tight end, he caught yeah. the touchdown, so he was better than uh, than Will Disley this week. I oh, no, I'm sorry. He didn't, my apologies. Didn't catch the touchdown. He had the six for 45, while Disley only had the one for 12. Yeah, I, and the I only had Disley was, everywhere this week. Yeah, I, I started him in one place, but Kenny Walker scored the only touchdown for, for them on the ground, so there was no passing touchdowns. I should have remembered that because Geno didn't do any of them. Last and least, Arizona Cardinals. You know, Benjamin played 87% of the snaps, and it didn't matter because this offense is totally broken. Just, just It doesn't matter. This offense sucks. We were both very low on the Cardinals going into this year, and I don't know that we were low enough. I mean, this, this team is a disaster. I mean, their touchdown, I believe, was on defense. Kyler Murray's running around, found his way to 100 yards, but threw a pick, lost a fumble, still didn't even have a good day at all this. We already talked about Marquise Brown being hurt. Rondell Moore played 99% of the snaps. 
and is that will persist, especially with a Hollywood Brown injury. And you already mentioned this earlier that Nuke will be returning. So not a lot to take away from the Cardinals because they are just terrible. I don't know how they have two wins on the season. They're they're a disaster. Um, and I'm not sure that better days are ahead, especially on a short week. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Saints win on Thursday night football. I just can't. What, what's your if you're Kingsbury, what's your motivation? You got that I mean, yeah. got that house already? Yeah, and he got a new yeah. deal. Super, super hot Instagram girlfriend. Oh uh, yeah, he's got that going for him too. Polish model or something. They yeah. only they, they put the puzzle together because there's pictures of her in that house <laughs> from the draft. <laughs> Founder. Oof. Yeah. I mean it's it's he's that he's not Belichick committed. I know that. No, it's it's bad. I mean, it's bad. Belichick wasn't a crass wedding, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, exactly. Nowhere near it. But yeah, I mean, just just yucky for for them. I mean, the fact that I mean they've they've scored more points than the Rams have this year. That's absolutely shocking to me. They have 114 points in a year to the Rams 104. But that's that's larger because of the Rams have looked. I know, but look, the 49ers are only 122. 49ers only scored eight more points. Than the Cardinals have this year. They've just let up a lot less, like 50 sub less. The Seahawks have scored 146 points this year. Seahawks pacing the NFC West as far as points scored. They're actually second to tied for second to the Eagles with the Falcons as far as most points scored so far in the NFC. No one saw that coming. I thought. All right. I think I had the Seahawks winning two games this year. I think that was where I was. So I already lost that one. <laughs> <laughs> I found the sheet, so I'm looking forward to holding on to that for the recap. But there we go. moving moving on this week, the here and now, going to the <laughs> AFC North, which I accidentally said earlier. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett got the concussion. You mentioned Trubisky's in. The big impact for fantasy is it's, it's bad for uh, George Pickens. Pickett, Pickett likes throwing to Pickens. Uh, he was rewarding those targets with some fantasy goodness. Trubisky came in there. Claypool had a nice game, but he peppers Deontay Johnson with targets. So if you're a Johnson owner, that's going to be good for at least one more week. It'll be interesting to see what Pittsburgh does next week. Like I said, I'm assuming it's going to be a um, Trubisky week again. So if he looks good and they win another one, it's going to be hard to bench him if they go 2-0 and in these Trubisky-led victories. So keep an eye on that because, yeah, it's hard. It's going to be hard to start Pickens going forward uh, without Pickett in there. Baltimore, we had mentioned Dobbins getting uh, his knee a little banged up, but Kenyon Drake saw the bulk of the work look good doing it. If Dobbins can't go, it's going to be – all Drake for the time being. We had mentioned at the top of the show, Gus Edwards potentially coming back sooner rather than later. So I, I wouldn't trust him in his first game back, but it, it could get a little more muddy if this Dobbins injury drags on. Uh, another interesting thing going down to Cincy last week, not on the injury report. T Higgins comes out, lays an egg. He stinks. So this week, Limited in practice. You think he's still banged up? Nah, ties ties for team lead with 10 targets. Has a decent game. Doesn't get in the end zone. But uh, since he, I, I'm putting a little red flag in my mind, keeping an eye on their injury reports going forward because I, I don't like the way that played out. Because obviously lots of people played him last week, got burned. This week, if they didn't have to, 
probably benched him, you know, as an overcorrection to the previous week and get burned again. So that's always fun when that happens in back-to-back weeks. Um, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Really narrow distribution trees. Looking at the targets for all three of those teams. Cleveland only throws to Cooper and Joku, Peoples-Jones, and and Kareem Hunt. There's literally nobody else getting any meaningful targets. It's kind of similar in Baltimore. Uh, Robinson has picked up some work with Bateman being out, but it's Bateman, Duvernay, Andrews, and Isaiah likely is getting a small piece of the pie. So it's interesting there. And, And similarly in Cincinnati, it's Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Hayden Hurst getting involved a little bit more and then Mixon and P ran out of the backfield. So, you know, we've mentioned this years past, especially with the Chiefs, where you know where the targets are going. But some of these other teams I've looked at where I'm tracking targets and it's like, oh, this guy gets two this week and then nothing, 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 then one. Kind of like the old Drew Bree days where he's got 17 guys getting a target in every game. These fifth <laughs> fifth on the depth chart tight ends get one target. You're like, oh. These three teams, and and really for the for Pittsburgh too. I mean, it's it's going to Pickens, Claypool, and Johnson, and, and now Gentry. But before that, it was Fairmouth. This division as a whole is really predictable, which is good for fantasy. I mean, you could pretty much confidently plug in any of the top three starters at wide receiver on any of those teams. One or two tight ends, their running backs. It, it, it's nice to have something comfortable every week here. And not having to dig through, like with the, you know, looking at the NFC East, going to the Giants, and you're like, oh, is it going to be David Sills this week? Like, it's pretty gross. It's nice looking at this every week and being not surprised by anything. When you mentioned uh, Drew Brees and the Saints, the name that came to mind was Josh Hill. Josh Hill just yeah. stole so many touchdowns <laughs> during like a three year period of time. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Every time it's Josh Hill. Now that guy's name is Taysom Hill. Well, obviously it's, it's a Hill thing at tight end. But, yeah, I mean, it's there's predictability with it. But, I mean, you you had mentioned the Steelers, and it was it was uh, Hayward who was the top tight end this week on one big catch yeah. over Zach Gentry, who I did start in like two two start two too. tight end leagues because I have Friermuth. So I literally just picked Gentry up mm-hmm. to plug him in, and he didn't do shit. But he was also limited all week with a knee injury. So might add something to do with it. Um, hopefully we get – Primers back out there in short order. So, where'd you go? You went north. So, north it is. And let's just go skull chanting up north. I said they're going to win this division. They're they're good. They're going to run away with this division, is what's going to happen. I saw a lot of that game and I said it last week that they stink. And you're like, yeah, they're, they're four and one. I said, how oh, they still stink. And I watched this game, another win. They still stink. They're not, they're not, they're the worst. Are they the worst good team ever or the Best worst team ever. Listen, you want to talk about the, the five and one Vikings or five and one Giants? Oh, I hope that's a first round playoff. I hope one of those teams has to get Who's a worse? playoff win and get their fan base unreasonably excited for next year. Who's worse? The Giants. Yeah, they are. Okay, well, that's it because there's only one other five and one team in the NFL. It's the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Okay, so we can't go anywhere else from there. But tis what it is. They are now two games clear of the Packers, and you know Cooks back, and it was almost every snap. I played 87 percent of the snaps. Dal or uh, Madison all the way down to 13 percent. So obviously the shoulder's okay. He's getting all the work again. So long as that shoulder holds up, 
he's going to produce because he's one of the few bell cows left. Thielen played his lowest snaps of the season, 87%, posted his third best fantasy day, scored a touchdown. Remember, I've been saying if Thielen's just standing in the way of production, well, they finally start ratcheting down his targets. And look, he's more productive. So get him off the field more so he can produce what he's on there. And then Irv Smith somehow secured all four of his targets for a four for seven and a touchdown stat line. (laughs) 1.8 yards per reception. I might have to watch this game to see what the fuck happened there. Like, that's almost impossible to do. This is tight end. I mean, would you just get like, is he getting bubble screens and just get tackled? Or is it literally like all his targets have been at like one yard to go? And he's yeah. you're in line, you're in line and you literally just pivot 180 degrees and they throw it to you. Yeah. And the some- shovel pass. I mean, four for seven and one. That's a receiving line that happened in the NFL, but he got a touchdown. So it'll work. And John, that's 10.7 PPR points right there. I mean, that, that's, that's, that, that's the anti-PPR establishment screaming from the rafters about how some Ellery Smith had a double-digit PPR day. But if, you, hey. if you're looking for a gross stat, Kenny oh, Pickett, yards yards per attempt. Do you know what it was yesterday? Oh, it was abysmal. I know it was low. What was it? 3.7. 3.7. Yeah. YPA. Yeah. Like, say, yeah, YPA matters, right? Whoa. Yeah, he, he, he had a rough one. 3.7, 11 for 18 for 67 yards. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll do you. But we already talked about the Steelers. On to the Packers. Jordan Love season? Is it, is it, is it Jordan Love season? 5% of snaps at, at the end of the game, apparently. And Rodgers looks old and this offense stinks. And he can't be not, not to blame for any aspect of it. I mean, yeah. he's looking mortal himself. Backfield disaster continues in Green Bay as well. And this was the mea culpa I was talking about in my home league. I drafted Aaron Jones over Saquon Barkley, not like intentionally the second round turn because I wanted the better offense. I wanted the better offense, Sean. That's that. That was my that was my logic. The Giants are five and one. Saquon Barkley's RB one right now in fantasy football. Yep, that's 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 what trying to think. You know what the better offense is going to be gets you in, in fantasy football. I already mentioned Randall Cobb. He only played thirty six percent of snaps. I don't know when he left with the ankle injury, but. I would assume early based upon that snap percentage. And it left Aaron Rodgers no one to throw to except apparently Robert Tunyon, who had 12 targets, yeah. 10 catches for 90 yards in that game. Just atrocious. That offense is – talk about broken offenses. The Cardinals and the Packers need to get together for some joint practices. Just I mean, figure I, this shit out. Because we talked about it all offseason. I just don't know why. They, they know they're limited at wide receiver. So why aren't you leaning on both of your – Good running backs who are good pass catchers also. It, it's bizarre that they're not each getting, I mean, what would be crazy? 15 touches a game would be 30 to the running backs alone. I don't yeah. think that's nuts based on the talent and what this team looks like. And I want to know what happened because this game was 3-3 three to three at halftime. Okay. And then it was 17-10 to 10 at the end of the third quarter. This game was close until the fourth quarter where the Jets just put 14 on them and ended the game. But through three quarters, this was a close football game. And, yeah, I mean, you got 19 carries between Dylan and Jones, but I don't know. And they, they got some targets. I'll give them that. They had 10 targets too, so I guess it's there. Now, that's 29 chances at the running backs. That's not light from what we're trying to talk about. They just weren't successful with it in, in any capacity. So I, I just – I don't know. Uh, I'm at a loss, the Packers. But we said, this, 
this doesn't look there's no good doesn't look doesn't look <laughs> no good no this is no good for the packers and it's it's barren fruit they're an Did average you... they're an average football team john that's exactly what they are yeah they're three Did and you three see... and that's what they are they're average sauce gardner after the game yeah cheesehead <laughs> climbing climbing the quarterback rankings in my opinion me too yeah that dude's I, got uh, that's a yeah, he had peak. a giant hot sauce bottle at the draft too, like the, the the was it the Frank's Red Hot <laughs> with that like hexagon lid. He had like a dripped out hot sauce bottle. Yeah, listen, when you back it up, you you can you do whatever fuck you want, my man. <laughs> like, in, in a league full of cornerback assholes to yeah. stand out, I'm a big fan. You you really have to work hard. <laughs> All right, from them to the Bears, Bears that already happened. Fuck, you know, we're we're way beyond what the Bears did, but it was all Montgomery again, seventy-eight to twenty-two percent snaps between him and Herbert. Cole Komet played ninety-three percent of snaps and had one catch uh, on the day. I mean, it's just, just still. Is he the awkward. biggest tight end bust of the year? I mean, he he's just because of what the expectation was, right? And just there was no one else to throw to other than him and Mooney. But he's got to be up there because it's just been. It's been atrocious, but I mean, Mooney's been just as much of a bust, but not probably not because he's actually had like two decent games. But it just sucks <laughs> for Komet because he, he should be seeing six, eight targets every single game, but was not to happen. And last, he said, taking it easy, the lines run by, so nothing to see here. Hopefully, we're getting DeAndre Swift back healthy because that was a plan all along. We gave him three weeks off. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Yeah, he played limited snaps last week, but he had this week off on the bye. So, Hopefully we're getting back to kind of full strength Detroit Lions offense um, coming out of the bye. I think we got to be getting closer to Jamison Williams. So interested to see what those uh, those Detroit Lions can do off the bye. But that is the North. All right, dude. Talking about the Lions on the bye, I'm going AFC South. I got another easy one. Houston on the bye. Tennessee <laughs> on the bye. Um, Jacksonville. There's a clear pecking order in receivers. It's Christian Kirk. It's Zay Jones. Marvin Jones have kind of – Zay and Marvin Jones have kind of been hurt at the right time to help each other. So there hasn't been a ton of competition really there between them. And uh, Ingram is seeing a ton of targets too. I think he saw 10 this week. So Evan Ingram's kind of emerged. We, we mentioned doing the, the team previews, these Peterson-led teams. Granted, it was Kelsey and Ertz and Goddard. But – He's had his tight ends involved and seeing the way it's gone. I, I could see a world where Evan Ingram is a league winner at tight end down the stretch, especially with a lot of these guys. We mentioned commit a lot of the guys being drafted ahead of him really have underperformed because he is 16 targets his last two games. So he, he's up there. I don't know what the, the leader is. And then we mentioned in previous weeks, uh, Robinson and Etienne kind of switching roles Robinson had 12 carries. ATN had 10. Way more productive, though. Uh, Robinson only had 54 yards, whereas ATN had 86, but largely off one big run. And ATN was more involved in the passing game, but still only two targets, caught them both for 22 yards, where Robinson one catch on one reception. So ATN, I think you said it last week. I mean, when you watch them, he's obviously the more explosive of the two, but they want to get him each involved. And I, I just think down the stretch, what you were saying last week, I agree with, which is ETN's going to emerge. And then someone, and I pride myself on being pretty familiar with tons of depth charts. <laughs> Some guy named Tim Jones has stepped into that wide receiver three role there. When one of the other guys is missing, he hasn't put up a ton of stats, but is getting the snaps. So 
you're super deep leagues and looking for somebody to plug in. I mean, if Kirk or Zay Jones or Marvin Jones were to miss time, it's pretty clear that this, Oh, another Jones. Jesus. I didn't even realize that the third Jones. Even out with the Joneses. Yeah. No, no pun intended, but yeah, this other Tim Jones fella seems to be probably on waivers in 100% of leagues, but might be worth snatching up because if someone does miss time, he's going to, be the guy because he's been getting the snaps and moving on to Indianapolis who surprisingly the Indian Jacksonville game was one of the few games that went over, which everyone was like, ah, oh, this is going to be the shittiest game of the week. Turned out for fantasy was one of the better ones. Um, we'd mentioned them kind of earlier in the year in the preseason. They talked them out quite a bit, but rookie receiver Alec Pierce had, uh, Two receptions in the first game, got hurt, then five, then six, then nine, then seven. I'm sorry, those were targets. Then receptions, he had none in that first game. Obviously, none in the game he missed. But three, four, eight, and three in the last couple weeks for 61, 80, 81, 49 yards and a touchdown. He's coming on, and they liked him a lot. They drafted him early. Super athletic guy. As long as Paris Campbell isn't demanding targets and touches and, and and work from him. I think as the year goes on, Pierce is going to emerge as the, the clear wide receiver too there. They did like him. I know in week one, I think he dropped a super easy touchdown. Then he got hurt. So I, I, I could see where Ryan may not have trusted him. Then he wasn't there. So he's coming along. He's probably going to have a pretty decent fringe wide receiver, two wide receiver, three finish till the end of the season. But other than that, not much there it looks like Hines and Taylor are both going to be back uh, for next week. In their absence, Dion Jackson had a nice two games in a row worth a stash because if Taylor misses any more time or if Hines misses time, who Hines was the pass catcher and Jackson caught 10 balls this week. So he he's probably the handcuff for both of them, which is a, a good spot to be in. And he's proven capable, so I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him maybe eat a little bit. I mean, Taylor's obviously a workhorse. He's not going to take touches from him, but if he needs a break, I wouldn't, the team's not going to be shy to put Jackson in there after these two games. Six foot, 218 pound Dion primetime Jackson. Just, yeah, just probably a top five performance this week. Those 10 catches. He was one at some point. Uh, Yeah. I mean, let me think about who would have passed him. No one. Right, maybe Ramondre with his two touchdowns, but he didn't catch a ton of passes. So, yeah, I mean, listen, you get seventeen point nine receiving points <laughs> alone. You're, yeah, you're, you're in good stead. But yeah, it was a it was a good day to be a Deion Jackson owner and a bad day to be playing against him. So, uh, hopefully, Jonathan Taylor can come back uh, at this point in time. I mean, he, he indicated it wasn't that severe when it happened. It sounded like and that almost seemed like if he wasn't playing on Thursday night the first week that he might have played, and then still 10 days later doesn't play. Uh, I guess it's a little more significant than I wanted to believe as a Jonathan Taylor owner, but Deion Jackson has done the job since he's been out from your south to my south. And we mentioned, though, too, you know, what's Jackson's playing well. If Taylor, you know, if he sucked, you could see them rushing Taylor back if he's 85%. But if you got somebody in there who's actually playing – it could, you know, there is a world where they want to make sure they got Taylor 100% healthy, and since he's performing well, it could actually ding Taylor for another week. I mean, I don't, I haven't looked at any of the injury reports. I don't know what he's, how what the projection is, but 
if the guy coming in is doing well, there's no reason to rush you back to your 100%. Yeah, I mean, and I guess you felt like you can beat the Jaguars at home too, right? So you got you got that going for you in a, a barn burner. <laughs> Little defense is playing. But uh, all right, so from the set, now we go to Bucks. We talked about Brady at the beginning of this. Ugh, just this is just this is not good. Twenty-seven touches for your boy Lenny. Found his way into one hundred one total yards and a touchdown. It's getting, it's he's looking worse week over week. I mean, he looks like he's taking the beating, but he's he's holding up so far. RB4. And, and he's and he's returning value for, for everyone that went after him. Godwin secured 50% of his targets on this game. Saw 12 targets, only caught six of them. Had a productive fancy day. Mike Evans only saw four total targets in this game. This game was weird. I, I didn't watch it, but just looking at the stats, were like, how did they lose this game? It's like they wanted to, almost. I mean, it's not like the Steelers, like, whooped them other than potentially on the line of scrimmage. But Brady threw it 40 times, and Mike Evans saw four of them? I just don't understand 10% maybe, target share. Maybe your 45-year-old quarterback's hung over from his big party on Friday night. I mean, just <laughs> yikes. I mean, Mike Evans saw as many targets as Russell Gage and uh, Rashad White. I mean, he saw less than Fournette. I just, uh, I don't know, just weird, 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 weird. But they play the Carolina Panthers next week, so all's right in the world. Speaking of those Panthers, CMC is everything proof. Literally, he's, just, he's, he's proof. He's full proof. 13 for 69 rushing, eight targets, seven receptions for 89 yards receiving, 22.8 PPR points without a touchdown. It's just un, un, unbelievable. Just doesn't matter. It could be Jacob Easton, apparently, and he's still going to get you there at the end of the day. But it did get worse for DJ Moore. Seven targets, three receptions, seven yards. He must have thought he was Irv Smith out there. So... Just, I, I, I was hesitant of playing him in a couple spots, but I thought if I'm PJ Walker, who am I? Why, why would I not be peppering my best receiver? And uh, I was way wrong. I mean, PJ Walker got hurt, so who knows how many of his 16 targets went to actual uh, DJ Moore, who got seven of the team's total 21 targets. So we saw a 33% target share. I mean, that's. Saying Still something. 15, yeah, but 15 of the 21 total targets went to him and McCaffrey. So they were focusing on their two top performers. Robbie Anderson got sent home. I don't know if you saw that. I did. He got, he, Steve Wilkes said, Beat, kick rocks, Robbie. Get out of here. But didn't help your boy, Terrace Marshall, who didn't secure his one target. But just uh, it's just it's atrocious in Carolina right now. On to the Saints, who just – it's just so different. Any given Sunday with these Saints, it's insane how they put up points. It's random. They find ways to lose. I don't know. But Alvin Kamara saw 25 combined touches, 124 scoreless yards. Still has more fumbles and touchdowns on the season, one to zero. Just doesn't get in the end zone at this point in time. And it wasn't because of Taysom Hill. It was because of some guy named uh, Rashid Shahid. You know, you know who he is, John? Nope. Hit a 44-yard rushing touchdown wow. on the game. Think, I think I overheard that he was a safety. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I mean, it's entirely possible. He's, he's a rookie at a Weber State, but he scored a 41-yard touchdown. And then so did Traquan Smith. That's who scored touchdowns for the Saints this week. Because Alave was out. Thomas was out. Kamara doesn't score. And it apparently wasn't a Taysom Hill week. But just whatever. Now they play on Thursday night with a game that no one's going to want to watch again with the Cardinals. So 
kudos to the NFL for continuing to figure out these shitty Thursday night football games. Lastly, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I just, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm, I'm dumbstruck at what's going on with the tied for the division lead three and three Atlanta Falcons. They have the same record as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. That's this is where we're at, John. Backfield, 57% of snaps, Algier, 12% to Avery Williams, 34% to Caleb Huntley. None of them mattered. When can when's the earliest that Corderell Patterson can come back? Because this backfield has just been a, a disaster since since he's been gone. It's a total just clusterfuck. Kyle Pitts finally scored, but still only found a way to produce low-end tight end one totals. And that's barring Monday night football. So he can be pushed out of the tight end one conversation again, even though he scored a touchdown. It's it's insane how the Falcons are are getting things done. It's not very fantasy friendly. So that is the NFC South in a nutshell. Listen, I got a fun little thing for you for a league before we get out of here and talk about waivers. I, my 32 team, one copy of each player. Everybody gets uh, one quarterback. I had, <laughs> I had what's his name by the Patriots, Mac Jones, as my starting quarterback. He gets hurt. I pick up Hoyer. Hoyer gets hurt. I did not get uh, Zappy. I ended up with <laughs> Baker Mayfield, who gets hurt. And then I plugged in PJ Walker. Got hurt. I've literally killed four quarterbacks in four weeks on that team. Uh, I I play That's in hard a- to do. Yeah, I play in a competitive superflex where my start to the season was um, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson. So it's just systematically decimates where I did not have a starting quarterback this week. I had to put Mac Jones and uh, Gardner Minshew as my two starters in a start. It's not even super. It's start to QB league because I had no one else. There was no. There's no one on the waiver wire. Not even a PJ Walker. That. I'm just looking at when the season started, I'm like, I could compete this year. And then boom, 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 boom. Like, well, okay. I guess I wasn't getting into Deshaun Watson at any point with these injuries. So even the bye week just clipped me with Jared Goff this past week. It was can't win for losing. But. All right. So let's talk about some waiver stuff real quick. Um, you'd mentioned Saquon Barkley getting banged up a little bit the last two weeks. We mentioned last week picking up Matt Breda just in case. I grabbed Gary Brightwell because I I don't see them giving the full workload to Breda because Breda's had a history of breaking down too. So there's a world where they kind of split the touches between the two of them. Uh, and, and we had mentioned the two, Corey Davis being more of a target hog with Zach Wilson coming back. And don't forget... Eli Mitchell should be nearing his four-week stint on injured reserve. Not quite sure. I haven't seen anything about him being ready to come back yet, but it's closer than he's been, and you said Wilson sucked. So when he gets back, he should be right in his main starting role there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's hard to argue if he was dropped. So before we go into the waiver wire, let's talk about how it's Cam Akers is not going to ever play for the Rams again. That's what the new information is. They are actively trying to trade him. So this just wasn't like a personal matter of way. They said McVay said like philosophical and something other differences. Like apparently Cam Akers is like, this is bullshit. Like I rushed back from an Achilles to go through the Super Bowl with you guys and you're just relegating me. You know, you're not, you're not like I'm the bell cow. It's supposed to be me. So he said enough is enough. 
and hopefully we'll get some some clarity on that. But Acres is going to be on another team. You would have to think yeah. in relative short order. Where is the best landing spot for Cam Akers before we go on the waiver wire? I mean, Buffalo needs a guy, but I don't even think – I mean, for real football, Buffalo probably, but I don't think that's a good fantasy landing spot. Miami needs kind of a do-it-all, three-down athletic guy. That's a good spot, but Miami. that's about it. Miami. I mean, looking at the A, I'm just looking at AFC guys here, but yeah, well, you got to think they might want to get him out of the division too, right? Right. So yeah. you might want to throw him over to the NFC or the conference. My apologies. But the 49ers would be perfect. You were talking about Mitchell, but there ain't no fucking way. They're going to let him. <laughs> they're not, they're not no, trading him absolutely to not. the 49ers. The Seahawks make sense too. They, don't have, they have one running back left in Ken Walker, but that ain't happening. The Cardinals make sense too, but that ain't happening. So literally the entire AFC West makes complete sense for those teams <laughs> to try and go get themselves the Cam Akers, but I that's mean, not going to happen. I've heard Denver as well. If you Denver with Javante Williams Denver gone. Denver was one that I heard. But that's Eagles make sense AFC. to me for the money. Yeah, yeah, Denver on the AFC side. But the Eagles make sense to me, and I, I mean – I don't. I I I haven't been impressed with Acres since the Achilles thing, and still think it's going to take time. I mean, for what James Robinson did, every other running back has taken over another calendar year, even after they're back on yeah. the field to get that yeah. explosion back. So I'm not writing him off in Dynasty. He's a, he's a hard hold for me right now. If you've held him through all this, you yeah. you, you got to hold him. At, well, at I, I think he's stuck with the Rams until someone loses a starter. I, I also told there's an injury. What are you going to? No one's paying up for him. Yeah. So someone suggested trade him to the Chargers and get Sony Michelle back. <laughs> like player for player, straight up. Like, well, you just need a body. Get, send a Sony Michelle back and you could take, you could take Cam Akers. So we have someone there, else. There was care, talk of Carolina shopping a bunch of players with, with the coaching change and everything, and, and McCaffrey was one that the Rams sound interested in. So what would the Rams have to add to Akers to get McCaffrey? Mm. I mean, I, I could see the Rams, you know, less Snead just throwing more draft picks. Sure. You know, right they don't the want him anyway. To make that happen and paying the, the premium for, for McCaffrey. But it's just – it's ugly. For Acres, and you know, it'd probably benefit everyone to get this done sooner rather than later. So, interested to see, um, kind of how that works out. But that could change the dynamics of kind of backfields and waiver wires and stuff. You mentioned Alec Pierce when you were talking about the Colts, he's still only 38% rostered. He's at 12 plus PPR points three straight weeks, better than I thought. I was not impressed with Alec Pierce coming out, honestly, and I didn't like him playing second fiddle in it. In, uh, Indianapolis either, but he's making it work because the Colts are throwing the ball more than I think even they want to, but he's a guy already mentioned Wondell Robinson far too many times. And now he's kind of already happened. You could have got him for free the last two weeks. And I think they're going to continue to scheme touches for Wondell Robinson going forward. As far as tight ends are concerned, we mentioned the, the Cameron Braid injury. Kate Otten still only 6% rostered. He had a tight end one week, a week prior when Braid was out the entire game. And I think that, could persist for him. Yeah. Looks like Brate's a long-term injury. Daniel Bellinger, who we referenced, is only 2% rostered. He's Crazy. a focal point of this <laughs> offense. Uh, and this is all redraft rosters uh, at this point in time. 
you mentioned Matt Braid already, 1% rostered. I think you have, especially if you're a Saquon owner, you have to have Matt Breda on your bench right now. You're just playing with fire if you don't. Um, Kenyon Drake, 5% rostered. We mentioned J.K. Dobbins getting pulled. Kenyon Drake had a monster game who no one started because why would you start him? Because he was being totally relegated. But he was the next man up two weeks ago in the second half, and he was clearly the guy when they pulled Dobbins out of this game. So even with Gus coming back, Drake's going to have the role. 5% rostered. Have to go get him. Go check at Gus Edwards. And then even deep leagues, Mike Davis, 2% owned in deep leagues. I mean, if Gus Edwards isn't ready, I mean, Mike Davis is – behind Kenyon Drake in a run-centric offense. So you could do worse. And then lastly, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 15% rostered. You mentioned him. That's it? That's crazy. Yeah. And they get Baltimore next week, who just bleeds points to the wide receiver position. (laughs) And he's eventually going to get a quarterback upgrade. So that's a guy that I think go and get Donovan Peoples-Jones. He just had a dud of a week this past week. So no one's paying for him. You can get him for a dollar. You could you could let the the waiver wire clear and just go at them afterwards. Yeah, for free. Two know. more quick ones uh, I'd mentioned earlier: Bailey Zappi and Tyquan Thornton. Go get that get that New England stack. Zappi's played good enough that they're probably not going to rush, even though there were rumors Mac Jones might be ready to start this week. I just think that's some Patriots gamemanship. I mean, it's a high ankle. I think he's missed. Three games next week will be four. I think he's going to miss another one. So that's just my vibe. But if Mac Jones comes out and kind of stinks, they can always put him on IR and go, yeah, the ankle's really bugging him to kick the wheels and see what they have on Zappy, especially if he's performing. Thornton is going to be part of that offense because he has to be, especially with injuries and everything else they've got going on there. And then somebody you bring up every week, but Rashad White, I mean, he's going to, he's, been seeing his role increase Fournette, like every running back eventually is going to miss a game or two here and there and weights white's going to be the beneficiary of that yeah let's let's go look at Rashad white real quick as far as at least in man, we're just referencing the one yahoo redraft league that i'm in but i'm going to go see where Rashad white currently sits as far as what do you say roster ship at this point in time he's only 34 percent wow i'm surprised he's that high really Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, listen, he's, he's actually seen significant touches the, the two weeks prior to this one. So I, I thought he'd probably be in that 30%, but still low owned for what we're seeing. The, 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 the Leonard Fournette burden is concerned. You mentioned the, the Patriots too. They play the bears on Monday night football. Okay. At home. So yeah, they're, they're definitely not Mac Jones ain't playing that game either. It's, they're, they're going to let Bailey, Bailey Zappi get that, but they're going to stretch it out all the way until Monday night. Then they get at Jets versus Colts by week, and then they play the Jets again. And then the back end of their schedule is a little tougher. They get Vikings, Bills, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills. Like, shit's going to get real for the Patriots on the back nine. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But we know Bill is not afraid to tell the starter <laughs> that uh, he, it's not his job anymore. <laughs> And, uh, oh yeah, yeah. And then a uh, Tom Brady happened. So not saying Bailey's happy, it's Tom Brady, but we know Bill is Bill is not afraid to to do what he thinks is best for the team. Yeah, should I say so? Dra- yeah. Draft capital, be damned. <laughs> stay, but, stay loose uh, on that. But yeah, Zappy's looked good, you know, in, in his opportunity yeah. so far. So 
that is what we got for week six review gonna, week seven preview that'll wrap it up for us again enjoy monday night football we're recording this one early this week so chargers denver tonight give me Follow predictions the, give me uh, predictions uh final score i think denver i have no reason i don't even have a vibe for it i think denver finally gets it right I'm going to say Denver 24, Chargers 13. Wow. So even have the Chargers laying an egg here. Chargers four and a half point. The line's climbed from three. Favorite at home. The game total of 45 and a half. Currently 66% of the public bet is on the Chargers. And the under is 61%. So you would be in the vast minority. You could go get that. Broncos money line for plus 180, John. You think they're going to win outright? I'm going to hold true. The Chargers are at home <laughs> with an extra day. And I've watched enough Broncos to know that they should be bet anywhere until they show me. So I'm going to go with 27-17 Chargers. You're, you're forgetting the Chargers win-loss matrix. It's like the crazy hot. Should, should the Chargers win? If the answer is yes, then they will lose. Should the Chargers lose, if the answer is yes, then they shall win. So yeah, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm factoring in the Chargers matrix. I did not factor that in. I mean, yes, they're they're they're. Eh, this okay. is a perfect spot to lay a fucking egg. It's <laughs> a tough one. I mean, they they lost to the Chiefs, which everyone predicted, and then they got boat raced by the Jaguars the week after, which no one had. And then they beat the Raiders, Texans, Browns, none of which are world beaters at present. So they've won the games they should have won so far, John. The only the only Matrix game was that charge was that Jaguars game, and that was that was a home game. Uh oh, uh oh, it's a home game, John. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, so their their home road splits have flipped. Now you got to use the Matrix at the home games. So congrats, Denver that Broncos, works. on on getting back in the way, Gom. <laughs> So that'll do it for us. For myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. We are the early recording Fantasy 40 podcast brought to you by our friends Expand the Box Score. And we all are out of here.